Well, I wanna say good morning to everybody who's a part of this service, folks gathered in this room, those of you who are gathered online at our other campuses around the greater Charlotte area. My name is Jason, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to be together. Uh, Easter and Resurrection Day is the most powerful celebration that we have all throughout the year because this day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord is what defines us as a people. But this year in particular, I think, and I've talked to several of you already who this is your first time back in over a year. It's the first time you've been able to gather together, and I think God wants to do something truly special over the next few minutes, and that we have something to celebrate like maybe never before. You know, every year, it surprises me just how I still get overwhelmed by the meaning and the power of this day. And it's like the worst surprise party ever kept, right? I know it's coming. None of you showed up today and wondered, I wonder what they're gonna talk about today on Easter, you know? We know it's coming, and we've heard the story for so long and experienced what it does to us when we believe it for so long that sometimes we're not that surprised anymore. And yet, the folks, the friends of Jesus, who that morning, a couple of thousand years ago, woke up, to find that the tomb was empty, they could have never expected what was about to happen. And so I wanna tell you right now how I'm gonna end this service. I'm gonna invite you in this way, that every single person that can hear my voice, no matter where you're gathered, everyone is invited to come and find freedom. Freedom from your past failures, freedom from the fear of the future, Freedom from the guilt of sin and freedom from the power of death, all because that morning Jesus was out of the grave. That invitation he extends to you and to me, and he simply says, will you follow my voice out of darkness into his marvelous light? The question is, have you or will you follow? The worst surprise party ever kept. Any of you ever been a part of a surprise party where someone threw one for you and you got just completely blindsided by how it worked? Any of you been able to pull off a really good surprise party? My one and only time, uh, I was a young adult here in Charlotte. Me and all of my friends were broke and young and dumb and, and they wanted to kind of help me because I had just moved here recently and they wanted to, to make it to where I felt comfortable being here as a part of the community. And so they planned this amazing party, but they had to distract me all day long. And so, and you maybe have felt this before, all day my friends pretended like it wasn't my birthday, like it wasn't special at all. They asked me to do things like help them move, to come over and paint, and nobody said a word. They all just pretended like this was just a normal day. And I started throwing a little bit of my own party, you know, the kind that you invite everybody to, the pity party. I started doing that because I'm like, I can't believe these people don't understand. What I didn't know, what I was completely in the dark about, is that for weeks, they had been preparing to distract me all day, get me to a dinner at Jocks and Jill's on Tyvola Road, anybody remember that place? And give me tickets to see Michael Jordan play for the Bulls against the Charlotte Hornets in one of his last times he ever played here. Unbelievable surprise to me. But for the whole day, I was in the dark, preoccupied with my own disappointment and my loser friends. And I couldn't believe when they finally said, this is what's happened, I couldn't believe the price that they paid for those tickets the strategy and planning that had gone into that whole day, all of it took me completely by surprise because I had been in the dark 
Darkness is a really good metaphor for our, the beginning of our story today. On that morning, everyone was in the dark. The writer John tells us that early in the morning, while it was still dark, in fact, before dawn, Mary goes to the tomb. Three days before, Jesus has been tortured, beaten, crucified, dies on a cross, is pulled down, wrapped quickly in cloth so that they could stop the draining of the blood and the fluid that was coming off of his marred body and placed quickly in a tomb. Inside those tombs, it was more like a cave where there was hewn out of the rock a little bench and they laid him down on that, wrapped up in the clothes. They put a stone in front of it and they left. And on that Friday afternoon, the whole world was in darkness. The one who had claimed to be the light of the world, who had come and announced that his kingdom was now here and available for everyone. He was not breathing dead, quiet, and cold. And all of the friends who had believed that this movement, that this thing that they were a part of following this rabbi as he healed and pronounced forgiveness and saw mercy come to people who didn't deserve it as he raised people from the dead himself, they were completely in the dark because they thought it's all over. Because once you're dead, you don't come back, right? Nobody expects that. Some of them, Mary Magdalene in particular, was absolutely lost in her own grief. She shows up that morning as the first songbirds start before the streaks of light cross the sky, and she wants to just say goodbye again. Maybe to give him a proper burial because the men who had done it before don't do a very good job with stuff like that. And she walks up to find in her darkness something has changed. The stone that was in front of the entrance to the tomb has been rolled away. She looks inside for a moment and, and she can't understand what's happening. So she runs and she gets John and Peter and she tells them they've taken Jesus. They've taken our Lord, come and see. And, and so they run, there's a race that John talks about and Peter gets there and he runs straight in and he sees the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in laying there and he sees the blindfold and the face covering folded neatly and he scratches his head and he just doesn't understand what's happening. He's in the dark. John comes in eventually too, and he finds the same thing. And we're told this little detail that something about it makes John start to believe. Of course, John's the one writing the story, so he gives himself lots of credit for that. But they don't understand enough of what's taking place to grasp it. We're told that they still couldn't get from the scriptures, no matter how many times Jesus had said, I've got to die and I'll raise. They couldn't grasp it because they were so stuck in their paradigm of thinking. In the dark. Experiencing loss, grief, and sadness. That's how our story begins. And I want to read to you now from John chapter 20, verses 11, 18, what happens next. Because this Easter, we need to hear the words that Mary heard. We need to hear with fresh ears the experience of God calling our names, your name out of darkness into his light. So wherever you are, if you're able, would you stand out of reverence for the scripture and we're gonna read together. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. The writer John, one of Jesus' friends, says this. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. 
She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they put him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go and take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. This is God's word, and it's good news. You can be seated. I wanna spend a few moments talking about Mary's state of mind there in the dark, because I think lots of us might be able to find ourselves in her story, in this story. Mary is completely at a loss for how to think, what to think, for words, for what to do next, in her grief and confusion that everything that she had believed was supposed to happen next. The future that she had imagined and that she had scripted so well was supposed to come into play exactly the way she thought it was all gone in a moment. She was experiencing the loss of a friend, one that she loved. She was experiencing the grief of death. And she was experiencing fear. Would they come for her next? Not only that, we're told in other scriptures that Mary actually had been set free by Jesus from seven demons. Mary was apparently demon oppressed. And you can imagine the dark satanic force that seven demons would exert on a person. And who knows how long, but for, for some period of time, she had had to suffer through that. And Jesus, her master, her rabbi had come and cast those out in an exorcism and then said, follow me. So you gotta be thinking, Mary is wondering, are they gonna come back? Mary has no idea what to do next because her entire life has been based on the script that now is completely interrupted. And how many of us maybe feel that way? How many of us for the last year, that's been the story of your life? For some of you, the plans that you had are completely out the window. And nothing that you thought was gonna go the way that it was supposed to has happened and everything is upside down and we feel disoriented and unable to cope and just at loss. Others of you know even more acutely exactly what Mary felt because you've lost someone this year. You've lost a parent or a spouse, a friend. And sometimes because of the pandemic that we've all lived through, they had to die alone and you weren't even with them just like Mary felt. Can you get your mind around, is it easy for us to understand what she experienced there in the dark? 
Mary had no idea what was about to happen. Because the reality is that beyond her state of mind, something not only was happening, but had already happened in the dark. This is the hope of Easter, that God does some of his best work when nobody's looking. Because here's what happened that morning. She shows up, it's still dark outside, sun hasn't even come up, the sun hasn't risen, but the sun has risen. You know what I'm talking about? Here's what took place in the dark before Mary even realizes it. We're told that the atonement for the sin of her and the disciples and all the rest of the world, you and me, had already been accomplished. At that moment on the cross when Jesus says, it is finished, he had paid the penalty of sin for every single one of us. Now look, atonement is one of those big kind of church words I know, and, and maybe some of you, you're, you're, you're new, this is your first time, or you haven't been to church in a long time, or, or this is your first time back in a year, and you're just kind of getting back in the groove, so I just want to kind of get us all on the same level. Like, you understand atonement, though. Atonement is when payment is made for somebody who's done something wrong, and we get this. You don't have to be a, a church person to understand that, right? When someone does something wrong to you, you want them to pay. Like the universe feels out of order until balance is restored by somebody paying. And some of us believe that like the universe does it through karma. You get what you deserve. Maybe not today, but eventually it's coming. Sometimes we feel like we can enact that vengeance on someone. I'm gonna take the, the initiative and I'm gonna get justice myself, right? But we get atonement. Jesus, in his death, had made the atonement for everything that you and I have ever done that was sin. Everything completely paid for. Part of that reality is that God, in his wrath against all of that sin, is satisfied. And you get that too. If somebody does something to one of your family members, one of your kids, you're angry at that, right? When injustice or evil takes place, you want that wrath to be satisfied, you need it. And until justice is done, you feel like you can't stop. I feel the same way. So does God about every single one of us and all of his creation. The intent that he had for it had been wrecked by our willful rebellion, completely marred, completely off the rails. And he was mad. And in the dark, Jesus' death, an innocent man for all of our sin, satisfied the wrath of God. No longer angry. Isn't that incredible? Mary had no idea about that. That's all taking place when nobody's looking, when birds are singing. I don't know if it happened right before dawn. I don't know if it had happened as soon as the clock struck midnight, but somewhere in the dark, God took care of everything that you and I need and everything that she needed as well. And he's still doing it today, whether you recognize it or not. The doorway to heaven, which was the point of atonement and satisfaction of wrath, the ability to be back with God forever, the way he always intended it, was now open, and she didn't have a clue. The kingdom that Jesus had pronounced had begun to sprout up. People had been healed. We're told that at his crucifixion, did you read this? That graves all over the city were opened and dead people started walking around again. Can you imagine that? And you know why that happened? Because the power of the resurrection, the power that raised Jesus from the dead couldn't even be contained in one grave. And he said, look, it's breaking in. Nothing is gonna be the same anymore. But Mary, 
she's completely unaware and in the dark until Jesus calls her name. Let me ask you a question. What do you think God calls you? Like, if you haven't been to church in a while, don't say it out loud, just joking. But, but what do you think? Like, when God thinks of you, what do you think God calls you? Do you think he refers to you with a label? Like, loser, adulterer, thief, failure? Or do you think on the positive side, does he consider you like achiever, powerful, wealthy? What, what do you think God calls you? In uh, my phone, I got a couple of hundred contacts in here, you know, and probably like most of you, the majority of them are a first name, a last name, and then a number or, you know, something to distinguish one from the other. But there are a few contacts in here that have a really special name. Uh, Jessica, my wife, is one of those. In your phone, I hope it says Jessica Smith. In my phone, it says my baby. And nobody else better have that, right? That's just for us because of the, the intimacy, the nature of our relationship. My kids, they've got one name names, like Gaga or Madonna. Like, they don't need two names. It's just my girls' names. And when they call because of our relationship, there is something special about the way that I refer to them. Do you know that's how God thinks of you? Like, regardless of the last year, regardless of your entire life, he thinks of you in that intimate way and he calls your name. It's crazy that God knows our names. It's, it's funny, Jesus, when he was talking to some people about this idea, he was uh, referring to himself as a shepherd. And in John 10, he's talking to the folks. He says, look, everybody knows how shepherds work. Shepherds have flocks and those flocks of sheep are out and a shepherd can just give a signal and all the sheep will come running because they know the voice of the shepherd, right? And we may not do a lot of sheep herding these days, but you can go on YouTube and watch videos of this where somebody else can come out and say the exact same word with the same intonation and the sheep don't do a thing. But then that shepherd that they know the voice, they begin to move because they know that that voice will lead them to life and to protection and to a future. Jesus says he's even better than a shepherd. Not only do the sheep know his voice, but in John 10, three, he says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Calls his own sheep by name. Jesus calls you and me one at a time personally, intimately. My daughter, Charlotte, who's six, gonna be seven soon. She'd want me to tell you that. Um, she, since she was a little girl, she has had this fascination. She has a name for every toy that comes into our house. Literally, she's got 40 of these little horse figures, you know, that are like unicorns and pegasus and all this stuff. And every one of them has a name for her. And don't make the mistake that I've done before by playing on the ground with her and going like, hey, grab me the gray one with the white mane. And she's like, you mean marshmallow? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, marshmallow, definitely. And can you get the, the unicorn? And she's like, that's stardust. Right, she, they matter to her, they mean something. And she's known it since she was two years old. This is the way that God thinks of you. And everything changed for Mary when he called her name and everything can change for you when you respond 
to him calling your name. See, there's power when God calls our names. And, and we know there's power when anyone knows our name, isn't there? Some of you guys in middle school or high school, you just went back to, to school the last few weeks, and I'm sure it happened for you where you thought after all this time, people wouldn't know you. And do you, have you felt that like surge of pride whenever somebody that you don't know says, Samantha, when we hear our name being called, it touches something deep in us and the God of the universe among the billions of people who have ever lived knows you and has a purpose for you by name. And the resurrection says that you can hear his voice call it. And when you do, it changes everything. Your identity, your destiny, your purpose. Let me show you. With Mary, it's incredible what happens. First of all, how messed up in your own mind do you have to be, if you're Mary, to look into the tomb, see two angels standing there, and it doesn't even affect her? Did you read that? I mean, she's so preoccupied with her situation that two guys in all white talking to her, like angels talk, I don't know what that sounds like, but she's not even changed. They're like, why are you crying? Like, I, don't, I can't find him. And I, I'm, if she could have seen through her own pain, the, the tear-drenched eyes, I think she would have seen those angels with a smile, with a smirk. Because don't you know them looking out the tomb, they can see Jesus is standing right behind her. She has no clue what's about to happen. She's completely in the dark and Jesus is behind her about to change everything for her. And so she hears the voice and she turns around and, and, and she still can't believe it's him. And when he says her name, a one-word sermon that some of us need to hear today. Shortest sermon he preaches, Mary. In that moment, she understands the depth of love. She begins to have it dawn on her, the price that was paid. She doesn't fully get it all right then, but something changes in her a bit. And she's so glad to have him back. She's so glad that now what she thought was the end is not that she grabs him and she hugs him and she uses the term that she always used for him, Rabboni, my teacher, my master, it means. And then we have this really cool scene. I don't know how long it was between verse 16 and 17 where she's holding on to him. My guess is it wasn't fast because Jesus wanted to comfort her and meet her with all the sorrow of loss that she had had, just like he wants to with you. And he held her for a moment and then, then he goes, okay, that's enough. Squeezing kind of tight there. Don't cling to me. I've often wondered why that is. Why does he say don't hold on to me? At first, I thought, well, maybe it's because his resurrected body, you know, you're not supposed to touch it with a regular body, but that can't be true because just a few hours later, he shows up with the other disciples and one of them who's doubting, Thomas, he touches him. And later, Jesus eats fish and bread and stuff. Like, it's not about the body. What is it that when he speaks her name and she refers to him by the way she used to, what is it that makes him say, don't hold on to me like this? I think this is so important for you today. I think what Jesus is saying is not, I can't be held. He's saying that you're still preoccupied with the me three days ago. 
You're thinking about your plan. You're thinking about how I was gonna come through. You're thinking about the way the revolution and the kingdom was gonna come. You are thinking about the thing that I promised and you're holding on tighter to what I will do than to who I am because I'm no longer that. Now, he's not just Jesus of Nazareth, Rabbi. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, defeated death, overcome it all. And he says, don't hold on to me, not because he doesn't wanna give her a hug, but because they got work to do. Because this is just the beginning of the story, right? He now tells her, you go tell your brothers. Mary, you get to become not only the first witness of my resurrection, but the first evangelist to go and spread the news. A woman. If you got problems with Christianity about the way it views woman, you gotta read this again. That's incredible that Jesus would choose that. And everything for Mary shifts in one instant. And it can for you too, if you will respond to his call. In Hebrew culture, to call on the name of someone was more than just to say his name. We read about this a lot, you call on the name of the Lord. That what you're doing in that term is to ask and invite his presence. You, you wanna be in the presence. We call the name of the Lord for salvation, for rescue, for a miracle, for healing. Jesus calls on Mary's name, inviting her presence, and he calls on yours too. He wants your presence, not just something from you, but something with you. And because of Easter, you can have it. Your guilt and shame and the labels that you used to allow yourself to be defined by no longer define you if, like Mary, you respond and walk out of the darkness. There's this story in a book called The Me I Wanna Be uh, that the writer John Ortberg tells about a guy who went exploring in a cave. And in that cave, this guy was like an adrenaline junkie. His name's Danny. And, and he goes with a guide through a, a spelunking expedition. Is that a thing? Spelunking. I just like the way that word comes out. Spelunking. So they're, they're going through caves, right? Exploring. And the guide says, look, there is a chamber that we're going to get to that is more beautiful than you've ever seen. You can't imagine what I'm going to show you. But to get there, you're going to have to follow. And so they begin. And you know, at first, Danny's got a stoop to walk through this. But as they move forward and further in, the cave narrows until he's like crawling on his hands and knees. It's beginning to squeeze him and it's getting darker. They make a turn and, and Danny now can't crawl anymore. He's got to roll, this bothers me just saying it. He's got to roll over on his back and scoot with his feet with the surface of the cave right above his face. It gets so tight, and some of you are getting really nervous right now. It gets so tight that at one point, Danny has to start exhaling all of his breath and scoot two inches and then breathe again because with his chest full of air, he can't even pass through. And at that moment, he starts to freak out. He is completely in the dark, completely under the pressure and has no idea if he's gonna survive. He's thinking what you and I would think. They are gonna find my rotting body in here in 20 years. And in that moment, when the voice of panic and weakness and fear begins to speak, Danny hears another voice, the voice of the guide who says, it's okay, I've been here before. You can follow me through this, but you have to listen to me. 
If you allow yourself to freak out right now, you're not gonna make it through. But if you will follow the sound of my voice, we will get out of this darkness and into something you couldn't possibly imagine. It's the same invitation that Jesus makes to you and to me today. You might be in a place that feels like a dark cave, and, and maybe it's all the things that we've mentioned and seen in Mary's story, grief or loss or uncertainty about the future. You might be somebody who's just lived being happy to be known by your label rather than your identity. You, you, may have, you may be a person who actually followed Jesus into life at some point, but since then, your preoccupation with your own life, with him answering things the way that you thought he was supposed to, it's caused you to fall back into darkness. And what I wanna tell you today is on this Easter, there is the possibility of freedom if you will follow his voice out of darkness into light. But nothing happens until you respond. Nothing happened with her, and nothing will happen with me and you. Can you hear him calling your name? You may not actually hear the syllables, Molly, Jeff, but if, if you can feel inside right now that there is hope that you believe this is true, if you believe and maybe a friend of mine a few years ago called me one day and, and we had been talking to him about following Jesus and he woke up and he's like, I don't know what to do about this, but I can believe it's true now. What do I do next? And it was like the best moment of seeing the gift of faith that God had given someone. If you can believe that Jesus is the son of God who died to pay the sin price that you deserved, if you can believe today that he rose from the dead, and if you're ready to commit to say, I wanna follow him out of my darkness, because the voices of addiction and the voice of my failure and the voice of shame, that's all calling me loud. But if you can feel that he is calling your name, will you respond? If so, Around you somewhere, I'm gonna pray for us in just a moment, but around you somewhere, there's a, a QR code that you scan with your camera and it'll take you to a form you can just hit, say, I wanna follow Jesus. Maybe you're not even quite ready, but you know that you, you wanna take a step and, and we'd love to help walk you through what that means. Just scan that and, and join us. Let us help you take next steps. But this is the question. It is the question that Easter has caused every person who have ever lived to have to answer. It's the question for you today. Will you follow his voice out of darkness? I wanna pray that you will. So Heavenly Father, right now, in light of this story, in light of this incredible, event that changed everything in history that we just, we can't get tired of celebrating because it's just too good that this is the way that you would write the story. Surprising all of us. Surprising us, especially when we begin to think about who we are and that you, the God of the universe knows us by name. Jesus, I pray right now that you would cause folks all across this room, online, in other camps, you would cause them to begin to exercise the faith to follow. 
let it be born in hearts. Let faith take its root as you place it in there and, and let it birth new life, flourishing life. Light in the light, free of who we were and free of our old labels and fully known and loved by you because the tomb is empty. And because you call us by name, God, I pray that that would happen. And for those of us who are, who've been Jesus followers for a long time, God, would you today give us a new, a new expression, a new understanding of what it means to be loved like this by you. Would you let us not be people who continue preoccupied with our own selves, but walk forward into a new purpose that you have for us. I pray, God, that you would do it now. And I pray that as that happens, you would remind us of all those places that we walked in here or logged on with that we think are hopeless, that you bring life out of death, that graves can't hold you and they can't hold us when we are held by you, that you bring freedom and that you love to light up the dark. So Jesus, in your resurrected and strong and powerful name, we right now say yes to whatever you have and we trust you wherever you will take us. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's stand up and worship him together now.